0: find a seat, that would be awesome. How many appreciate the worship team? Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. And then the tech team in the back. I'm especially grateful for Forrest because I had my mic on between the two gatherings and he had it muted. So, um, you know, thank God that the mic was muted. Let's put it that way. Pretty exciting stuff. Jeez, what am I going to be like when I'm 75? Anyway, more fun, more fun, right? If you have a Bible, turn to Acts 15. We are going to in a couple of weeks. Next week, Dr. Jay is going to be with us, I and mean, I'm excited about that. Holy cow, I'm excited! If you've never heard him, you're in for a treat. Um, and then we'll start the book of Jude the following week. And this is kind of a precursor a little bit because Jude deals a lot with um, false teaching, and we're going to look at something. Let me give you a little history. This is 48 to 52 A.D., about 20 years after the resurrection. The church has progressed quite a ways. The Gentiles are now included. What I love about the book of Acts, and I read it a la- uh, couple times this year, is that you don't see God giving them a plan until there's a problem. Problem with the widows comes up with a solution of the deacons. Problem with persecution, they go spread the gospel. Problem with Selecting Judas's replacement, they drew straws. When I'm just like, wow, they drew straws. I mean, think about it. How many of you at a church board meeting would love to see the board draw straws to figure out what God is saying? (laughs) My point is this God uses a variety of means. We can't worship methods, we got to worship the message. That's really what today's about. the greatest threat, though, was not from without; it was from within. I believe the two key places we see so far was well maybe three the 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 dis- disruption between the two the two Jewish and G- Greek widow groups complaining, so we have this cultural this ethnicity, all of these things clashing at the same time. they came up with a solution. then in chapter nine, you see and ten you see uh, Peter becoming. The, the message to the Gentiles. But what happens is these things come from with, without, like John's brother James loses his head in chapter 12. That means he died. Okay? So when we see James in chapter 15, it's not the James, the brother of John, because he's dead. It's James, the brother of Jesus, who became the chief elder at Jerusalem and became a believer after the fact. After the resurrection, he actually mocked his brother. He thought his brother was crazy. He came with his mom to take his brother away. And so, but what happens from within, matter of fact, Paul devotes a whole book to basically what we're going to talk about, the book of Galatians, that we add to grace. You must be saved, verse 1, unless you believe like we do, you're really not part of us. Now, I know none of us in vintage are guilty of that. I'm about ready to spit an Altoid in the front row. So let me chew this for just a minute, take a drink. Nobody wants to get... See Pastor Gary's Altoid a week later. Anyway, what I really felt prophetically, I was pacing up and down on the stage one morning at prayer time, and it just hit me because I was reading here, and I felt like the Lord took me back to something. And I believe this is a key point for vintage, in the history of vintage. I'll make that, decla- that declaration. I've walked with the Lord many years, and I'm not putting that as a trump card. I'm just saying, some people comes up come up to me and say, hey, pastor, there's something brand new. I guarantee I saw it in the 70s, okay? I'm not t- and I won't tell you that. I'll just pat you on the back and say, that is the most awesome, incredible thing we've seen. But the fact is, God moves in waves. God moves in waves, and the enemy does the same thing. And what I saw happen during COVID was that the church, not just vintage, the church in North America, one of the things that needed to happen was that we come together in unity. The enemy's plan has been politicize stuff, make it something that it's not, and put something on people. You cannot be a part of us unless you do this. You cannot be a part of us unless you do that. And I'm not talking about just wearing masks. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the racial tension, everything, the enemy has thrown at the church and to some degree, we flunked the test because we took the bait and we started telling people, you must be this type of person unless and if you're not, then you can't be a part of us and it's just stupid. It's stupid. It's not biblical. There's one thing that we need to worry about. Have you accepted Jesus? Then you're okay in the kingdom. That doesn't mean there's not rules. I'm not saying that. But the fact is, we need to understand that the enemy loves to make politics something that it's not, because guess what? Jesus never talked about the Roman government. He never did. Paul never talked about it except to pray for Nero, who was a brutal murderer. How many can pray for our president now? I'm just saying, some of you have been so wrapped up, I can't do this, because we politicize things, and God is saying that's not what we need to be doing. Thank you. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, Antioch is now shifting to become the place of where the gospel is going to be sent. Jerusalem is still the mothership, everybody, but Antioch becomes the place where the Disciples were first called Christians. It's where the first missionary journey was sent out. It's where Paul and Barnabas were sent in chapter 13. So it's turning from Jerusalem to Antioch, but they still respect what's going on in Jerusalem. It's still the mothership, okay? Paul, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch in Syria, some men and some scholars believe they might have even have been false teachers or definitely not understanding the gospel of grace, Arrived, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach believers, unless, unless, unless you do what we do, you can't really be a part of us. I know none of us have ever been guilty of that. Unless you follow these rules, you can't be a part of us. You Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, and it wasn't just circumcision, it was the dietary laws, it was keeping the... the um, ceremonies. It was days of atonement when you had to fast, when you didn't. And so it's, it's amazing. You cannot, unless you do this, you cannot be saved. Thank God vintage has never had that kind of stuff. Legalistic, pharisaical, you need grace, but you've got to have these commands. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them. They argued, vehemently, that v- v- yeah, that. In a strong, emotional, zealous manner, passionately, fervently. How many of you have ever served on a church board? How many of you have ever seen arguing on that church board? How many of you have ever seen discussion in churches? How many of you have ever seen people get really ticked off in a church? How many of you want a New Testament church? Guess what? This is the New Testament. I know none of you in your marriage has ever raised your voice or, or talked and worked things out and maybe argued in a manner of, you know, you solve, you get the issue, but the fact is sometimes you've got to get the issue out. This is what's happening. Paul says, wait a minute, time out, gentlemen. This is not going to work. And yet we think church is, you know, it's just, it's rainbows and butterflies. It's all just awesome. It's just the coolest thing. Church should be a place where we're encouraged. I'm not saying that we're all screaming at one another. But the fact is, when something is wrong, you want to get me riled up? Start telling new believers you've got to do this to be a Christian. You want to get me really ticked off? I, you'll see it. Tell me or let me hear you in front of somebody. Yeah, I know you got baptized, but You got to do this. I know you accepted Jesus, but you got to have this. I know you accepted Jesus, but you must do this because that's really, and I'm not saying we need Bible reading, we need church, we need programs, we need development, we need rules, but grace is so scary to people. They love rules. Give me 10 things to do to be a Christian, give me five things to have a happy marriage. And I've told you many times if there's five things, Karen and I have eight, we have to work on eight. And the fact is, it's not a list. The Ten Commandments were converted to 30,000 rules, actually about 3,500. If you gargled on the Sabbath and swallowed it, it was not work. But if you spit it out, it was work. Is that ridiculous? No, we do stuff like, you've got to be baptized a certain way. You've got to speak in tongues. You've got to attend the new believers class you got to do all of these things. Let me tell you my story. I was baptized three times. Because I was told the first two didn't take. I'm serious. And I was so young and hungry... You know, sheep eat everything. That's why they have three stomachs or two stomachs. They swallow it, that sticks, rocks, nasty stuff. You spit it out. The rest of the stuff you swallow again, it brings nourishment. I, I swallowed, you know, I was baptized the wrong way. I was in, they gave me the wrong formula. I said, okay, I'll be baptized again. One time in Illinois, it was like in the middle of winter. The rivers were frozen, the lakes are frozen. I was baptized in a bathtub, and I was dunked really hard so that not, not even my hair could float on the top. I'm serious. And we didn't have a TV because TVs were evil. My kids are saved and still love Jesus, and it's remarkable. I'm serious. We were so legalistic. So if I was legalistic, now I would say you'd have to be baptized three times, once in a bathtub, once in the name of Jesus only, once in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, once in a lake, once in a baptistry, and once in a bathtub. And if you weren't baptized that way, you're really not a Christian. And we laugh about it, rightfully so. But that's how ridiculous. I've had people write me an email. None of you, honest. It's been years ago. And it was like, you've got to use a different Bible. The one you're using is full of errors. I don't care what Bible you read. Just read the Bible. I'm serious. Just read this text. Study the text. Because if you start somewhere, you'll get there. I mean, when I study, I have... 20 texts out I'm reading that I'm trying to study from. And I want you to know something. God loves you more than you, your list of rules and regulations. And they disagreed and argued. Finally. And in the Greek, it means finally. Like, this is a, we're, we're beating this dead horse. Finally. They decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about the question. There's nothing wrong with discussion and going to the higher-ups and trying to find resolution to the problem. Matter of fact, we see here it's pretty scriptural. So they go to Jerusalem. Dialogue, church, look at me. Dialogue, even if it's uncomfortable. I was raised in a family where any dialogue was uncomfortable confrontation was met with silence, you, you, you like avoided it like the plague, and so I grew up avoiding conflict, and then I got married, <laughs> holy cow, and I was raised, my wife was raised in a family where they confronted everything, and you put us together, man, sparks flew, and it was a good thing, you know, people say, you know, they're 18, I can't stand my parents, I'm going to join the Marine Corps, good luck with that. I'm telling you, do it, do it. Serve your country. But good luck with that one. You think your parents are nasty? Wait till you have a drill sergeant in your face waking you up at 3 a.m., making you do a 20-mile march. Anyway, finally the church decided. Verse 3, the church sent delegates to Jerusalem. They stopped along the way in Phoenician, and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, too much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. I love how the Holy Spirit throws a verse in. This is about the Council of Jerusalem, it's called historically. It, it, to me, it is a key in church history. Much like the church in North America, and I believe even around the world, with COVID has had a church, of, church council, Church of Jerusalem type moment. We need to understand God wasn't shocked by COVID. God wasn't freaked out because of things that got shut down. God knew it was going to come, and he let it happen. Why? Because he's trying to deal with us to get us where we need to be so that the world can see that we love people regardless of what's going on. Then you throw all the racial things that happen. Then you throw the election. Man, and mix that all together, and the church is standing on the side going, Holy God, I don't know what to do. You just love Jesus and love people. But anyway, what verse 3, they throw it in. I love verse 3. Because they're being sent to figure out whether... You have to be circumcised to be saved. Paul and Barnabas go, phew. They they really, it's like they shared the gospel even when they were told not to, basically. And what happens Where the people rejoiced. Don't let some men keep you away from the commission and calling God has given you. Don't let some naysayer throw you aside and not let you do what God's called you to do. Legalism always stifles joy over what God has done and what God is doing. You can't see outside yourself or your little group. I met a guy one time when I first got saved. And uh, my experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was just sitting in a pizza parlor praying with somebody and I started speaking in tongues. And then I'm like, is that in the Scripture? And then I found out that it was, was. So my experience should be yours. Go to eat pizza after church. Talk to somebody that's a random stranger and you'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm joking. And so this guy, I was telling him I'm a brand new Christian. I'm working. It's in the summertime. I'm working at a factory dipping little coils into soldering pots which made me realize I don't want to dip (laughs) coils into soldering pots all my life. And anyway, he goes, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And I go... I knew enough about the scripture to know that because I was a Christian I had the holy spirit. And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Have you spoken in tongues?" I go, "I think that's what it was." He goes, "Okay, then you're my brother." Oh, no. 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 I'm I'm his brother because we have the same father. That we have the son of the son set us free. Legalism stifles joy. When they arrived at Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders, and they reported everything God had done through them. Then, verse 5 tells you who the Judaizers were. But then, some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted. insisted. They're not just saying, Hey, can I make a suggestion? It's like this must be done. If it's not done, we cannot accept you. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and require, and, and, and required to follow the law of Moses. And sorry, I can't read. I felt like the Lord stopped me right here and said this. It's really hard to change inherited religious Prejudice. I don't care who you are. I don't care what ethnicity you are. We all have prejudice. Thank you. And much of it's been inherited by our religious teaching. If you're raised a certain way, you're going to believe that's the way your kids should be raised and on and on and on. And I'm not saying, I'm saying raise your kids the way God called you to, attend the church God's called you to. But the fact is, there are people right now worshiping in other buildings across this nation that love Jesus as much as you love Jesus and worship God differently because the blood of Christ is the common denominator, period. The blood of Jesus only. And when you start saying you must do this and you must do that, they insisted. And I want to tell you something. By the grace of God, I insisted some stupidity at times. I have. But hopefully we're growing. I've said this a million times. Growth is you're convicted after you sin. Then you're convicted in the middle of your sin. Then you're convicted before you sin, especially with your mouth. You say something like, "Uh uh-oh, man, the Holy Spirit's like, stop right now, stop. And then you're starting to say it, and you get halfway through. God just says, stop. Have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody? You just I can't say that. Then they're like, what were you thinking? <laughs> I just can't say it. Trust me, I can't say it. And you walk away. And then, before you're tempted to say it, the Holy Spirit convicts, and you don't say it. You let him deal with it. Peter, in Acts 10, 15, said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve the issue at the meeting after a long discussion. Peter preached so long overnight that a guy fell out of a window, fell asleep during Paul, I mean. A long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you know that God has chosen me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he has confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. I wish I could go on about that, but I can't. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their heart through faith. So, verse 10, why are you now challenging God? Why are you now challenging God? By burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. What a statement. Right. I am guilty many times of placing on somebody something that I can't even do myself. And I make it look like I'm great at it. <laughs> Why am I burdening God with adding to something that God has said? You say that's cheap grace. No, it's not. I'm telling you, if you get alone with God, and bring your life before him on a daily basis, he will direct you. He will give you some lists. He will give you some rules. But the fact is, they're yours. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean being saved in the sense of your foundation is the blood of Jesus, but working those things out. Sanctification is being saved from yourself. Salvation is being saved from your sin. And all of us need to be sanctified. You too, me too. How easily we forget what we've been saved from, what we've been redeemed from. And then he says this, verse 11. We all believe, we believe that we are all saved the same way by undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Man, undeserved grace, undeserved grace. Holy cow. Undeserved grace is this what you're given at salvation and what keeps you on a daily basis obeying His commands. Some people think grace is only given when you're saved. Every day, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you. He will give, He opposes the proud but gives grace. grace To the humble. You humble yourself on a daily basis and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your grace. Here's my daily schedule. I need your grace. Guess what happens? The power and the desire comes upon you to do what God's asked you to do. Undeserved grace. Nothing you did, you just humbled yourself and asked for it. What an amazing thing. Two of you agree. It's awesome. Everybody's going... Should I, should I agree with? That would have been a good point to agree with, I'm telling you. By his divine power, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, jot it down and read it. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have all received of his coming, and we know. The one who has called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and grace. What strikes me about Peter being the spokesman, what strikes me about Peter's statement in 2 Peter, that God's given us all things, later on, about 10 years later, Peter's in a meeting. When the Gentile believers are there, he's eating with them. When the Jewish believers come, Peter doesn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. And Paul comes in and says to his face in front of everybody, Peter, what you're doing is wrong. You're a hypocrite. What I'm saying is this is so entrenched in our lives and in our society that many times we are legalistic and we don't even know it. We're operating in something that's from our past because it helped us in our past. We think it'll get us through the next trial. And the fact is, there we need to look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We need to re- be reminded of the amazing grace. We need to be reminded of what God has done for us. But we don't put our experience and transpose it onto somebody else's and say, you must follow Jesus the way I do. You say, well, Paul did. Yeah, he's not talking about a legalistic thing. He, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. I know what I've been saved from. I know what it's like to be a persecutor of the church, and now I can present this message. And so my my warning to vintage is COVID isn't over. We're still going to feel the effects of what has happened. And we need to be people that individually hear the Lord and obey what he's saying to me and not transpose my stuff onto somebody else and say, Oh, you're going to that church? I heard they're doing this. Oh, you're going that place? I can't believe it. We really have God moving in our place. You need to come to our place. God help us. I still encourage you to invite your friends. But not because you think you're superior, but because you've experienced something you want them to be released into. Amen? Let's pray and then... Dustin's going to close this out. Father, thank you. Just put your hand on your heart. Remember, the daily encounter will keep us from being legalistic. It will, I promise you. Lord, help us. Show us. Lord, will we have inherent, inherited a religious spirit God, I thank you for my past. I thank you for what you've saved me from. I thank you what you brought me through. But God, I ask in the name of Jesus that I will be a person that carries the undeserved grace of God and dispenses it in measures upon people and measures upon measures upon measures. God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Amen.